and welcome to the Wonder and Wonder podcast, where we wander around the world wondering about wonder, and then we wonder a little bit more and make a podcast about it. I'm your host, Anna Lara, writer and editor of That Wonder Chick. As you already know from previous episodes, I want to share with you experiences, analysis and reflections of the role that we have as travelers in the travel and tourism industry. For this, I invite different guests from all over the world to share their knowledge and experiences with us. Last episode, I introduced Amilcar Vargas, manager of the Cultural Heritage Research and Conservation at Casa Batlo in Barcelona, a property that is inscribed in the UNESCO World's Heritage List of Sites and Properties. Amilcar and I discussed over-tourism in UNESCO sites. However, we have more questions for Amilcar. Barcelona is a city that, I don't know if you've been, but it has so many attractions, weather, nightlife, architecture, lifestyle. All of that together builds up the tourism arrivals and attraction, right? So regardless of the UNESCO designations that the city already has. However, some other cities are seeking the designation to attract tourism. UNESCO World Heritage Listing confers prestige. So many places around the world seek the designation to promote their cultural assets. It's becoming more and more common that UNESCO sites are being appropriated for financial, political and geopolitical ends. When we talk about tourism, it's been seen that there is a contradictory consequences of the UNESCO protection in intense tourism development, from mass tourism damaging the sites to the commodification of local traditions for the tourism experience, which have other impacts such as authenticity in the tourism experiences. Other issues recognized are the limitations for locals in their cities, which is experienced by the Catalans in Barcelona, for example. In the conversation article by Chloe Morel, The author identified central districts designated by UNESCO World Heritage have been boomed by the tourism industry, but have affected the locals in negative ways, with brutal eviction to gentrify and restore the neighborhoods. As a result of these issues, UNESCO has incorporated a set of overarching values under the Sustainable Tourism Scheme to protect environmentally and culturally the sites from the impact of overcrowding tourists. These values include sustainability, stakeholders working together from city planners to local engagement and decision-making, among many others. In this episode, we continue to discuss with Almikar how the UNESCO sites are managing the sites to include the sustainable development goals in the properties listed. So, so earlier you mentioned, obviously, that the the promotion of sustainable tourism in a way of like how the designation can sort of improve or impact positive aside. However, have you seen in your experience, have you seen any negative impacts on the side after being designated UNESCO site? Well, um, the phenomenon of the, I think several of the, of the, of the Gaudi buildings in Barcelona were the phenomenon, not, not of the inscription in the World Heritage List, but the phenomenon of the Barcelona uh, attractiveness as a whole. So mm -hmm. after the Olympic Games, Barcelona became famous and the city council did a huge transformation in the city, uh, urban transformation and also uh, a new understanding of the city and the offers and, and, the, yeah, and what can the city can may offer to the, to the people. So, People they noticed that Barcelona existed, and people um, and the local people in Barcelona, they, the companies and the tourism sector was um, was not an inexistent uh, sector, but it was not as busy or as big as as, as it is now. So the mm -hmm. phenomenon of visiting Barcelona 
was the, uh, the one of the reasons why people came to Barcelona to visit Gaudi buildings. So Casabajo was inscribed uh, with other four properties, Gaudi properties, in the World Heritage List in 2005. But the Olympic Games were in 1992. But at 2000, uh, 2005, uh, Gaudi buildings were already very, very visited. Sagrada Familia, Casa Mila, and mm -hmm. uh, Park Güell. So this phenomenon was just like growing and growing and growing. And the inscription of these properties of um, in 2005 was an, um, an added value for visiting the, the Gaudi, but it was several things connected. So the attractiveness of Barcelona was main, mainly based on the architecture of Gaudi, but also because of the weather, because of the beach, because of the food. So it's it's not just a single element that is Casa Bajo in one city, but it's also several Gaudi buildings in a very attractive city with, mm -hmm. a, with, with, a, with a vibrant um, living and a lot of people coming to Barcelona that visiting. Life and then staying, staying for, for living in Barcelona. Yeah. So, um, so this, this capacity of moving from one country to another and to stay there, and these um, facilities for mobility, international mobility, uh, was, um, was, was, a, was a phenomenon that had as a consequence um, all these um, mass of people visiting and visiting more and more and more the, the city and its attraction. Yes. Yes, and I obviously, well, now that you mentioned that, uh, I imagine, or in my in my experience, a lot of little towns and other cities and maybe even other properties are seeking to get that designation just because it, it gives it more, you know, the sort of privilege of being denominated as a UNESCO site, but also attracting other people yeah. from all, the, all, all over the world. Yeah, uh, on my research, I found that the inscription of the World Heritage property has gives you a lot of visibility, but, mm -hmm. if, uh, but the inscription is nothing if you don't communicate them and if you don't, how can, how can I say, if you don't use the brand World Heritage as, a, as an emblem or as a sign of quality. Of course, it's a, but, but the, the intention of the World Heritage Convention and the, and the inscription in the World Heritage List is not it's not to give it's, it's not to give the sites a, a, a seal of quality. It's not something that yes, you are a very good one. So this is this is your prize, your award. It's not yeah. an award. Actually, it's the responsibility for protecting the site for this and future generations. So the the aim of the World Heritage Convention since the beginning was the preservation of heritage. Was not the branding was not the branding process for having more visits or visitors. Of mm -hmm. course, currently several of the new nominations, we see that phenomenon of the interest of having more tourists, of having uh, more uh, visitors or having an economical benefit. And the uh, preservation is not now the, the main topic, but it is like, like a consequence. Okay, we, 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 we promise, the, the state they promise, they compromise themselves to protect the sites, but also they are expecting to have more visitors that can threaten the protection of the sites. However, um, these new inscriptions, one of the one of the um, conditions, because the evolution of the World Heritage List is very interesting, and in the most recent ones, the the states, the nominations of the properties should have a management plan and should warranty that the intangible heritage and the outstanding universal values of the properties 
will be preserved and they should be them. And this compromise, this commitment should be written down in a management plan. Uh, mm -hmm. But 20 or 30 years ago, that management plan was not mandatory. So they, the, tourism, the tourism sector was different, but what, there was not this commitment um, in these, uh, let's say, operational uh, um, implementation in the properties. Um, but now, now they, they are they are mandatory. They have to demonstrate, and, and UNESCO is more willing to to observe the the, the sites that are or that or that are expected to be inscribed in the World Heritage List. Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much for 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 giving us this like overall idea of how how the the, the relationships between between UNESCO and the sustainable tourism protocols mm -hmm. that have been in place are starting to work together. So yeah, I think uh, just, uh, I, one thing that I forgot to mention um, is that in 2015, the UNESCO General Assembly, the, the General Assembly of the State Parties of the World Heritage Convention, they adopted the Sustainable Development Goals. Yes. So since that, since then, since 2015, it is mandatory that the World Heritage Properties and the state parties, they have to implement the Sustainable Development Goals in the World Heritage Properties. And these Sustainable Development Goals are, are very, 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 um, there's a wide range of goals. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, not just social sustainability, but also environmental sustainability. And health. And, and, health yeah. and gender equality. So I see this is another opportunity to achieve uh, more goals, not just the, the economical or the tourism, but also to use this visibility to achieve other very important uh, sustainable development goals. Yes. So now, now, now that you mentioned that, that's the other sort of part of, of questions that I, I wanted to ask, especially, like I said before, how you... On the, on the research that you're currently doing. Um, how does the, now with the development sustainable goals, obviously with this idea of wanting to maybe expand the way they manage the sites into other areas that could promote better futures, right? For future mm -hmm. generations. Um, how, does, how does all of this, is it easy to manage all of these guidelines and, and all of it with the tourism attraction and also involving community? How, what's your experience with that? Well, in my experience, I think that it's, if you see the whole sustainable development goals, if all these 17 uh, goals, mm -hmm. they are huge challenges that yes. even for a, even for a wealthy na nation or a wealthy country, it's, it's, it's not easy to tackle or to achieve all these goals. So, um, so when when you are a World Heritage property, uh, there are several of these goals that are, they are. If you see the whole picture, is like overwhelming, and, they, and you see, of course, yes. um, it's not it's, it's not easy to to think that you as a World Heritage property, you have to achieve all that. So that is the expectation that they have from of you. That, that, that you have to implement. But once you analyze each of the goals and you notice that for sure in the past, nobody was thinking on the SDGs when they were doing management, when they were 
doing management because the SDGs didn't exist before 2015. However, uh, several of these properties, they, they were doing things regarding these uh, now called SDGs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I think when, since we are a cultural institution, we're managing, we're managing a cultural property uh, that is a museum that is visited or it was visited by one million people every year. So there are some uh, small, small actions, thinking, uh, thinking global, but acting local. Yes. So okay. having that in mind, uh, even a small actions and a small communication campaigns and a small, um, yeah, so small activities that you can promote from, from, from the management model, from the management site, the management of the site, you, you are achieving, and partially, of course, one, two, or several of these uh, sustainable development goals. And in Casa Rajo, we started with the uh, environmental sustainability with those goals uh, related to the preservation of, of, uh, of um, nature, natural resources. And we, uh, last year, we participated in, in a campaign uh, led by the City Council of Barcelona that promoted the, the implementation of actions for reduce the um, environmental impact of the tourism and cultural activities. Not mm -hmm. just from, uh, from the institutions, how the institution deals with, with the, 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 the resources that we use in the house, uh, like water, electricity, heating, air, air conditioning, but also how can we spread the word of these goals, of these behaviors, to the one million visitors we have? Yes. So, in, based on this pro on, on this program led by the city council, the sites managers we we, we were we were in contact with a consultancy that they explained us what are what are like a kind of 70 or 75 actions that we were able to implement and we were up, we were we were we were applying some of them and we added new ones and we had to demonstrate what 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 would be the actions that we were expecting to to implement to achieve this and this and that goals yes. so for the next 5 years um, we we have been planning and now we are participating in a in an, in an European project um, to 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 follow the, the line of the this um, this one is more focused on climate change, which is one of the SDGs. It's part of one of the SDGs, but also mm -hmm. we are trying to deal with another um, uh, SDGs as the gender equality, uh, the one that is related to the sustainable um, societies and diversity. And so on and so forth, but we, we it's difficult for us to to think that we will achieve the seventeen of them, yeah. but yeah. we will contribute to several of them, and we are very aware of that. So I think it's something that um, as a as a cultural property, as a house museum, we should be um, we, we should acknowledge that we are giving these steps, and also to to feel um, yeah to feel good that we are implementing them. Because we are part, we, we are just contributing. Just and 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 if and if this example can be followed by other sites managers by other properties, 
we will be just in the city of Barcelona. We will we will achieve. We will uh, yeah we will arrive to a very uh, several hundred of millions of people. Yes. Yeah. 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 You're right. So, for example, mm. but in the case of of Casa Patlo, it's a private property, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. So, is there like I imagine it must be very different the way to handle or achieve or because I do think the SGDs are very ambitious. As you said, it's it's very important to recognize the efforts that different uh, property managers are doing, like yourself, uh, in Casa Patlo. But also, I imagine when the sites are owned by the government instead of being private, like public mm -hmm. sites, I imagine. Well, yeah, public in the sense that the the government owns it. It's mm -hmm. a different. Also, it has a different quality to it because they have to sort of have a more homogeneous way of managing properties along the state. I imagine in the case of Mexico, that's because that's why I'm having that in mind. Because Mexico, mm -hmm. most of the sites are owned by the government, but like it's 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 everybody owns the sites in a in a way of saying. Yeah, it, yeah. It's not it's not privately owned, but that's just the way it's com configured in in Mexico. Um, mm -hmm. So I imagine that that's a different as well, a different aspect of how how can UNESCO sites can achieve um, the SGDs or other goals they have in mind in terms of managing over tourism or cultural tourism and, and all of that. Well, I think that uh, you mentioned you have mentioned something very important, how the how the country, how the how the states deal with this, um, yeah, with with the situation of, of tourism and over tourism and uh, management of properties that are private. Well, one of the uh, one of the important issues for the World Heritage Convention is that the implementations is responsibility of the states, of the mm -hmm. states uh, that 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 have inscribed those properties. But depending on the country, the 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 um, preservation of cultural heritage is different. And in the case of Spain, this, um, this, uh, the, the, the competencies of the cultural management is delegated to the regions of the 17 regions of Spain. And in the case of mm -hmm. Catalonia, the Catalan government, also they have a, a Catalan law for heritage. And they allow, of course, that private owners, private people, they can um, open sites to the public, and also they have the obligations to uh, observe, um, to yeah, to, to do this kind of uh, surveillance of the cultural um, protection. So uh, it's a uh, having a cultural world heritage property. It's probably for Latin American countries is, or in the, as you mentioned, Mexico can 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 be seen as like a very strange thing because. Most of the museums and cultural properties are public properties or proper mm -hmm. or public, um, not just open to the public, as you mentioned, that are they're open to the public, but also they're public owned. So the government yes. is the owner of those properties. In the case of Spain and several parts of Europe, there are private private properties that are in the World Heritage List. They are owned, they are managed by, by private institutions, but ha they have to follow the, the national uh, the national laws and these laws are of public interest and they have to be followed by anyone public private yeah it does it, it, it doesn't matter in the case of Antoni Gaudi the work of Antoni Gaudi there are several of them that are private uh, 
and we are the we are one of them, Casa Padio, but also um, Casa Mila, La Pedrera is private, and La Sagrada Familia is also private, and Casa Vicente is also a private property. And those who are to our public are the Parque Güell, which is uh, owned by the municipality of Barcelona, and the Palau Güell, which is owned by the deputy, the deputy of uh, Barcelona, and another that is a church that is outside the, the the center of Barcelona is also a public one. But all of us, we have to follow the same Catalan uh, legal um, the, Procedures. The, the Catalan law for the, yeah. for, for, for the preservation. But yeah. this kind of, of, of management for me, at the beginning, yes, it was like, like very noisy. Like, how can you manage this property mm -hmm. so, so, so different? I did that. My, yeah. my first, my first master's degree was about the, the use of the management of world heritage in Catalonia. So I analyzed the six properties and the seven components of the works of Antonio Gaudí, and they were all they were all different. But I think that one of the advantages of having this kind of diversity is that they can adapt better to the changes, yes. and they can offer different cultural experience that people they can live, uh, they can uh, see. So when you have only one management model with only one narrative, with only one discourse, you, when you visit one museum or one side or two sites, you have seen several of them because all of them are explained exactly the same way, exactly following the same, um, the same words. And so this kind of um, diversity for me in my case, in this case of words of Antonio Gaudí, is also one of the richness of the Gaudí's buildings. Because yes. not, not, not any of them were equal. All of them, yeah. they had different uses, different uh, purposes, but they were all of them, they were really, really uh, a masterpiece of geniality. And, and so this thing, uh, this, the diversity of the properties is also as interesting as the differences of the management model that we are all of us implementing. So and that is, it's, for me, it's very, very, I prefer this diversity than the that the orthodox homogeneity of the yeah. narrative heritage. And I and I and I guess going back to to the to the comparison with with Mexico, I think that that's what we can see when we think of Chichen Itza, for example, being a private owned. Chichen Itza is one of the only sites in Mexico that is not public. It's owned publicly by the state of Quinta, of Quintana Roo. Yucatan. No, no, Yucatan. Yes, yeah, sorry, yeah, Yucatan. Yucatan. But it's not it's not uh, nationally owned. There's I think there's another one in Jalisco, uh, Chichimontones, I think. But mm -hmm. it's 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 interesting that you mentioned that because that obviously ha allows them a bit more freedom of what to do with the site, but also following certain regulations of conservation, archaeology management, and obviously, in the case of Chichen Itza being not only a UNESCO site but also being uh, one of the seven wonders of the world. Thinking global, but acting local. This is one of the things that I really liked about what Almikar just said. If properties and sites in the UNESCO listing do not take into account local communities and involve them in the decision-making processes, the goals set by the SDGs cannot be achieved. Every country has its own laws. But even if UNESCO is an international effort, it all comes down on how it's managed locally. Almikar also said that the designation is worth nothing if you don't follow the guidelines. 
So the cities and places should recognize that it's a responsibility rather than a marketing tool. Places are audited to make sure that the guidelines are respected, using visitors to develop a finance and protection scheme rather than to exploit the sites. And lastly, another interesting thought that we discussed is the idea of how locally managed sites can develop diversity in the visitor experience. As you will see on our next episode, the last part of our interview with Almica, it's more about the quality than it is about the branding. Thank you so much for tuning in this time. I hope you're enjoying this season with the amazing experts sharing their knowledge. If you want more, make sure that you subscribe and follow That Wonder Chick on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube, where you will find access to more videos, posts, photos that will make you wonder about your wonders. If you want to collaborate with me, you can also send me a direct message to my social media handles. If you like what you hear, log into thatwonderchick.com for blog articles for more info about our guests and to support this podcast by just clicking support this project on the website. Thanks to everyone who has been supporting this podcast and blog. I'm really, really, really grateful for all of the support and I'm gathering a whole lot of more content for you guys, especially. So thank you so much for tuning in and I'll see you next time.